Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. Reach out with your feelings. Let go. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I'm your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw, and I have something very special with me. You just heard it. It is new theme music by the great Tony Thaxton. 
You just heard the new opening theme, and there will be a fun surprise new closing theme when you're all done listening to the episode. Or I guess you can fast forward and then rewind back. You know how you fast forward and rewind with podcasts like their VHS tapes. Remember, if someone else is going to listen to the podcast, be kind and rewind. Anyway, this is a great journey that we've gone on with Tony Thaxton, great musician, uh, where we have goals on our Patreon page for Force Center, where we're going to get new theme music for our shows. We've got new theme music for almost all of them. Star Wars Counseling, we passed this goal a little while back, and Tony and I worked together to put this music together. I gave him some kind of rough ideas, and then he came up with the brilliant sounds you hear. And if you want to hear more brilliant, lovely sounds by Tony Thaxton, he does a Star Wars song a week. You can go be a part of that on his Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash cloudcitysoundtrack. With that, let's get into the counseling. Today I'm tackling one grievance. Here it is. It was sent in by Seahawks Dad, at Seahawks underscore dad. Seahawks Dad says, I always enjoy Star Wars canceling, but now I have one of my own. Why do Jedi Masters not specifically warn younger Jedi about Dark Side users' Force Lightning ability? Anakin versus Darth Tyrannus, Luke versus Darth Sidious, Rey versus Snoke. Thanks. No, Seahawks Dad, thank you, because this is one of my favorite topics. Long before I had the pleasure of doing this Star Wars podcast with Jennifer and Ken, this is the kind of thing that if I got into a room with fellow Star Wars fans, if I was in a bar with fellow Star Wars fans, I'd say, why why didn't Obi-Wan and Luke? I mean, come on. This thing has haunted me since I was a child. When I first saw Luke Skywalker get zapped by the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, I thought, Ben, why didn't you tell him? So I really feel this grievance. It seems like some vital, practical information to have. Like, if being a Jedi came with a manual, there would be a whole chapter called Danger Fingers. And it would say, like, many Sith have the ability to shoot blue lightning right out of their fingers. It burns like hell and dances all around your body, and sometimes you can even see your own bones. It really sucks, but good news, with concentration, you can block it with your lightsaber. Or even more skilled Jedi Masters like Yoda can absorb its power or even redirect it, depending on how powerful the Sith wielding the lightning really is in this chapter. We will discuss. And then Danger Fingers would continue, and Jedi of all ages would know the true terror of Force Lightning. But that is not what happens. That is not the way of things. One thing the Jedi are not known for is an abundance of clarity. That said, I think it's entirely possible that younger Jedi in the Star Wars movies know more about Sith lightning than we think they do. Certainly, in the prequel era, I think it's entirely possible that Jocasta News Library has at least one hollow book on Force lightning in there. I don't think it's called Danger Fingers, but I think it's there. So first, let's talk about why it feels like maybe the younger Jedi don't know about the lightning. I think it all goes back to the first appearance of Sith lightning in Return of the Jedi, before we even knew to call it that. Because we knew Darth Vader was a Dark Lord of the Sith, it said that right on the trading cards, but it was never confirmed on film that the Order of Dark Side Force users were called the Sith until Phantom Menace, so we couldn't have even called it Sith Lightning back then. Anyway, back in 1983, the scene where Luke is hit by Palpatine with Force Lightning, Sith Lightning, Lightning Lightning, is definitely constructed to be a surprise to the audience. 
First, it's set up by Yoda when he says to Luke, Do not underestimate the powers of the Emperor, or suffer your father's fate, you will. Now, this could be interpreted to mean, don't underestimate the Emperor's literal force powers. Like, watch out, he can shoot lightning from his hands, or he keeps lightsabers up his sleeves, or he will corkscrew over a desk at you. Also, he likes throwing things like Senate pods. Basically, you never know what he's going to do, but it's going to be mean and evil. Also, his teeth are rotting. Just so you know, don't underestimate the damage of evil to the Emperor's teeth. So it could be interpreted as a literal warning about his powers, or Yoda's words could be interpreted as a warning about the Emperor's powers of persuasion, particularly because of the or suffer your father's fate, you will part. It could be argued that for all of Palpatine's dark force powers, it is his skill in emotionally manipulating people that caused Anakin to fall to the dark side. In the prequels, Palpatine preys on Anakin's love of Padme to bend him to his will, and similarly, he attempts to turn Luke by preying on Luke's love of his friends. He sets up the ambush on Endor and makes Luke watch. As he wipes out his friend. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Friends. Now, regardless of exactly how you interpret Yoda's words, if you think that he is saying watch out for his actual strong force abilities or watch out for how good he is at manipulating your feelings, regardless of how you interpret it, it has raised the question in the audience's minds, what power is Yoda talking about? Is Luke prepared for them? And then, of course, we discover the answer to our question is, nope, nope, he's totally not, which, of course, is great drama, but also makes us feel like Luke really didn't heed Yoda's advice that he did underestimate the Emperor. Now, when Luke defies the Emperor earlier in the scene, throwing aside his lightsaber and declaring himself a Jedi like his father before him, the movie is structured to make you wonder, okay, well, what's the old Emperor going to do about it now? Uh, First, he just says, so be it, Jedi. And then we cut to another scene even. So we have another scene to build the tension of what is Palpatine going to do when we get back to this scene. Apparently, Luke and the Emperor have really just been staring each other down for a while. Because then Palpatine says, If you will not be turned, you will be destroyed. And then in a literally shocking move, the lightning comes flying out. If you grew up with the original trilogy or just watch the movies in release order before some jerk kid spoils stuff on the playground, it is a surprise. It's a moment of, holy crap, I didn't know he could do that. So by extension, it makes it feel that, like us, Luke didn't know he could do that. And then Emperor Palpatine says even more stuff that makes it feel like Luke was maybe ignorant of the old lightning hands move. After that first blast of forced lightning, Palpatine says, Young fool, only now at the end do you understand. Then some more blasting, and he says, Your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. You will pay the price for your lack of vision. And much like Yoda's lines, you can read these two ways. You can read them as, Young fool, you totally didn't know I could literally shoot lightning out of my hands. Or you could interpret that line in a deeper context. Both of those lines, that Luke did not understand the full depth and nature of the dark side, that his father could not be swayed from it, and that he, a Jedi, can't resist or deny it. Either Luke succumbs to the dark side, 
or he gets destroyed by it. Those are the only two options, and Luke did not have the vision to comprehend that, at least from the perspective of the Emperor. When I'm reacting to this scene for myself, I also think about what that lightning feels like. It's easy to get distracted by the fact that, yeah, that's a cool power, and in real life, yes, lightning would hurt, and believe me, I really like playing Palpatine in Battlefront 2 and blasting people with Force Lightning. But in terms of storytelling, I like the idea that Force Lightning is the ultimate expression of the dark side, Sith Lightning. That there's just all this negative, hateful energy ready to pour out of Palpatine. And not only is it extremely painful just physically, but it also sort of sucks the life out of you. I imagine that when Luke is being hit by all that lightning, it's almost like he can feel the true nature of the dark side. Young fool, only now do you understand. Because he can feel the just unyielding aggression and pain and hate tearing at his flesh and bearing down into his bones, like what it would feel like in real life if someone is able to physically transfer all of their negativity onto you while also electrocuting you like you're in a bathtub with a toaster. I even like the idea that Luke is not just in physical pain, but he's actually fighting back. He's he's resisting. He's fighting to stay alive, maybe even reaching into the force and trying to push the lightning away, mitigate the damage of the lightning, but ultimately failing. To me, that fits well with Palpatine's lines that Luke's feeble skills are no match, and now he is paying the price for his lack of vision to understand the true power of the dark side. So that is a long way to say Return of the Jedi can easily be interpreted as telling us Luke had no idea about Force Lightning and no one told him about it. But I do think it's possible to interpret that almost all of our younger Jedi characters are aware of it, Luke very much included. So let's go through in chronological order and talk through the big lightning moments of Star Wars films. In Attack of the Clones, Dooku blasts the younger Jedi, Anakin Skywalker, with Sith lightning. I think Anakin has absolutely heard of Sith lightning. I think Obi-Wan has spent long hours lecturing him about it. After all, in this time period, the Jedi know the Sith have returned. And we also know Obi-Wan likes to lecture Anakin. So, in this scene, Obi-Wan tells Anakin to take it slow, go in on the left, but stubborn Anakin races forward and he gets blasted. And it's a cool force move. It's even advanced beyond what we, the audience, saw in Return of the Jedi. Dooku not only zaps Anakin, but he throws him around while lighting him up. He bashes him into a wall and throws him down. So, if that's the first time you see force lightning, it's cool. But it's not like Return of the Jedi. It's not built up and presented as a surprise. It's not presented as the answer to a question, in a way. But then we do get our first surprise. There are surprises in Attack of the Clones. Lots of them. Dooku tries to pull lightning fingers on Obi-Wan, but what happens? Obi-Wan blocks it with his lightsaber like the Jedi badass he is. He's badass until a few minutes later when he loses to Dooku. Anyway, when I first saw Attack the Clones, I thought, that is so cool. Obi-Wan blocked the Force Lightning with his lightsaber. Oh no, this also confirms that Obi-Wan is well aware of Sith Lightning, knows how to block it, 
And then I thought, damn, he really should have told Luke. I had a lot of thoughts going through my head that midnight showing of Attack of the Clones. Anyway, I guess you can imagine that this was a surprise to Obi-Wan, the Force Lightning, and he just instinctively handles it really well. He's used to blocking anything that's thrown at him with a lightsaber, but he's so cool and so casual about it. I prefer to interpret it as Sith Lightning is a known power, and Jedi have practiced deflecting and or absorbing it with their lightsabers, that this is something that they are aware of historically and have studied, particularly in an era where they know they are hunting at least one other Sith. And to me, I've also interpreted it that it's not just blocking the lightning with your lightsaber, but there's some amount of force involved that you are sort of using your connection with your lightsaber to draw it all in because the lightning has a way of kind of dancing around so it's not as clean and specific as a blaster bolt that's just one bolt so for Obi-Wan to kind of block it all without any other tendrils of lightning slipping past his lightsaber it feels like a very practiced move that it's not just the physical object the lightsaber blocking but some union of the Jedi the lightsaber and use of the light side of the force to contain that lightning. So all of that makes me feel like, no, this is not a surprise to Obi-Wan. He knows about this. He's trained for this. And if all that is true, you have to think that with the amount of lecturing that Obi-Wan gives Anakin, with how interested Anakin is in different fighting forms and the history of different battles with Jedi and Sith, I choose to believe Anakin is 100% aware of Sith Lightning. He just ran in like a headstrong idiot and got zapped and flung around like a ragdoll for it. And if there was any doubt that Jedi are aware of Sith Lightning, there's another surprise in this very scene. Jedi Master Yoda shambles in with his cane, Dooku tries to blast him with lightning, and Yoda blocks it, not with his lightsaber, but with his little green hand. And he, in fact, shoots it back at Dooku, who can also deflect it with his hand. Suddenly, there's a lot of stuff going on with Sith Lightning, and I think it's awesome. Then stubborn old Dooku tries again, and this time, Yoda doesn't just block it. He gathers the lightning up in a glowing energy ball and seems to just absorb it and or snuff it out. Which again, in a scene full of Cool Sith Lightning stuff is perhaps the coolest thing. It's also a great GIF. If you ever want to do a GIF of like, yeah, I just I just ate this whole frozen pizza, good to use that Yoda GIF. He just makes all of that energy go away. It's gone away from this world. Anyway, uh, it's very cool to think that if Force Lightning is concentrated dark side energy, just hate and aggression, so cool to think that Yoda is powerful enough to not only block it, but just snuff it out with the power of light. That is great, to just have a scene where a light side user says, yes, I see all this hate and aggression, and I simply light it up. I shine a light on your shadow, and your shadow is no more. That is great. Much to learn you still have, says Yoda, which is a pretty great taunt to a former student. Dooku is Yoda's Padawan, so we have a bit of a contradiction there. Clearly, Yoda knows all about the lightning, so again, he could have told Luke, but also, 
Dooku was his Padawan, and apparently Yoda never mentioned that he had learned how to absorb and dismiss Sith lightning, because Dooku does seem very surprised by that skill. That is apparently something that Yoda was like, I keep some of my best hits to myself, and I do not tell my Padawans about them. Which, I like that idea. And then, of course, there is just the idea that Yoda has lived much longer. He has lots of experiences and abilities that other Jedi don't have because of experience or just because of Yoda's level of mastery. So maybe he could have told Dooku about it, but maybe Dooku could not have had the experience or the length of life to master the ability the way Yoda has. Who knows? Always more questions to be asked, even while answering other questions. So, moving on from Attack of the Clones, there are, of course, lots of different appearances of Sith Lightning in the Clone Wars animated series, including Mother Talzin using a variation of it, but none of that really directly applies to this grievance about young Jedi getting surprise zapped. So we'll leave that discussion for another day. Also, I know that in the, uh, the EU, there's different ideas about lightning, but I'm keeping it within the world of current canon. So, all that said, let's go on to Luke, to the big question. Did Obi-Wan or Yoda ever tell Luke about Sith lightning? If they didn't, why not? And if they did, why does it feel like they didn't? So, we talked a little bit about why it feels like Luke doesn't know, because in the movie, it's structured as a surprise to us, the audience, so it feels like it's a surprise to Luke as well, since he is the character we are identifying with. But if Yoda, on his deathbed, had just barely managed to say, there is another Skywalker, and then popped his eyes open one more time and said, also the Emperor can shoot lightning from his fingers, but you can block it with your lightsaber, ask Obi-Wan for details. That would not be very dramatic as a death scene. And narratively, it would have ruined the surprise. It would have prematurely answered the question of just how powerful the Emperor is and taking the idea of he can shoot lightning from his hands and make it not a metaphor for the huge power and hate of the dark side, but make it feel just like a practical ability, just a list of abilities on a drop-down menu. Instead, the way it's structured in the film, the lightning is, yes, it's, it's an ability, it's a practical thing, but it feels like so much more because it feels like this answer to this question and this expression of how just awful the dark side is. And even more than that, I just think that's how storytelling goes in Star Wars, at least in the movies. We don't get a lot of detailed technical descriptions or answers. Sometimes we get it for actual technical stuff, like a, how a hyperdrive works or whatever, but in general, only get in the movies information that is absolutely relevant to the plot and to setting up the stakes for the characters. Uh, like we get information about the tracking technology in The Last Jedi, but that's not to answer the question of how is this technically possible. It's really there to set up the mission that Finn and Rose need to sneak onto the First Order ship with a hacker in tow. I know that is a controversial scene in some ways, but to me, that's a great example of we need that technical information because we need to understand what Finn and Rose are doing. In Return of the Jedi, we understand what Luke is doing. He is going to face his father. He wants to save him. Yoda and Obi-Wan don't think it's possible. And in general, even in Star Wars movies where we get some technical, concrete answers... We rarely get them from a Jedi. Can you get 
technical, specific, detailed information, not from a Jedi. And even more than that, we really don't get technical, specific information from Force ghosts. Obi-Wan tells Luke to go to Dagobah. He doesn't tell him how to find it on Space Google Maps. He doesn't warn him that it's really hard to land your ship there. He just says, go to Dagobah. The most basic information that Luke needs and the audience needs. And even in these pivotal moments in Return of the Jedi, when the spirit of Obi-Wan sits down on a log and has his longest, most clear, lifelike chat with Luke, the focus is not on details of Luke's training, his equipment, force moves, etc. Everything that Obi-Wan is telling Luke is about Luke's soul. That conversation is not Obi-Wan giving Luke tips on how to fight Vader, Emperor, the Sith. The conversation is Obi-Wan teaching Luke that people cling to their points of view. It's Obi-Wan driving home his opinion that Anakin Skywalker is truly dead, and therefore he can't be rescued, and the only way to defeat the Sith is for Luke to kill them. It's Obi-Wan complimenting Luke that his insight, his love for his friends, serves Luke well, but to bury his feelings because they could be made to serve the Emperor. And my favorite Obi-Wan is exactly correct. Both the Emperor and Vader prey on Luke's love of his friends, and in particular, Leia, to try to break Luke and turn him to the dark side. So in a way, Ghost Obi-Wan does give Luke very valuable, practical information, but it's not for the physical combat. It's for the battle over his soul. And in my opinion, for a movie, that's the way it should be. Return of the Jedi is great because it repeatedly sets the stakes for Luke's big decision. Will he follow in his father's footsteps, or will he resist the dark side and become a true Jedi? And even when Obi-Wan gives him the good information, the good practical warning, watch out for your feelings because... Palpatine and Vader are going to try to manipulate them, even within that great information, Obi-Wan is wrong, of course, that Anakin Skywalker is dead. And even that is just great real estate used in this scene to heighten this conflict. It's already a great conflict that Luke doesn't want to kill his father, wants to save him, if at all possible. But then to have Obi-Wan, this wise mentor, who is there to guide you to say, it's just not possible. It makes Luke's decision to try to rescue his father even more brave. It is a great example of these uh, rhymes. I know, I know, we joke about the rhymes, but uh, don't even call them rhymes. It's just different generations of storytelling informing one another. This is a moment in Return of the Jedi where Luke grows beyond his master's just the way that Yoda discusses with Luke in The Last Jedi. Anyway, that was a tangent because I love Obi-Wan and this scene. So, I love this scene. I love the way the battle is set up that Obi-Wan and Yoda give Luke vital information. The most practical nuts and bolts information is, yes, you do have a sister and, and it's Leia. And even that, they only half give him and he intuits the rest. Uh, but for the most part, it is setting up the stakes for what truly matters for Luke as a human being, as a Jedi. So depending on what kind of Star Wars fan you are, 
Star Wars can be so much more than the movies. Of course, it's the TV shows, the books, the comics, the technical guides, the Lego. It's all sorts of stuff. And I love the movies. I love looking at the movies as the movies. But I also love digging into all of the storytelling in the books and the TV shows and the comics. And part of the fun of all that can be digging into the history of the galaxy, the depths of the story. So I think it's fair to say we want this to kind of track and make sense. I think it's fair to say, wow, if Obi-Wan and Yoda went to all this work to retain their identity within the Force specifically so they could help and guide Luke, why did they not give him this real, solid, practical advice? And in my personal headcanon, I think they absolutely could have. Just because Return of the Jedi is structured to make the lightning feel like a surprise, it doesn't necessarily mean it was a surprise to Luke. Yoda could have absolutely told Luke about it when he was training on Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back, and we just didn't see that part. There's lots of the training we didn't see. Luke could have read about it in Obi-Wan's journals that we see Luke reading in the comic book series. There could be a story where Luke finds out about it in a holocron, a story that hasn't even been told yet. And even in Return of the Jedi, after the great ghost log scene ends, Obi-Wan could have mentioned it. It's not like Obi-Wan actually disappears at the end of the scene. We just cut away after we have the most vital information for telling the story of that movie. But there's no reason to think he didn't give Luke some more information if you want to imagine it that way. Just because we didn't see it happen doesn't mean it did not happen. And the reason I don't think we were told in the story that Luke knew about the lightning is not just to keep the lightning a surprise, but because ultimately it's not important whether he knew how to block Sith lightning or not. In my opinion, it's not what's at stake. The battle is for his soul. After Luke defeats Vader, sees his own mechanical hand, sees his father's broken, shattered wires, he sees the scars of war, the damage of violence and hate, and he makes his choice. He chooses to throw his lightsaber aside. He chooses not to continue physical combat. And it isn't that he just stops himself from killing his father. He is done fighting. He doesn't intend to fight Palpatine. It's not like he turns away from killing his father and says, I'm a Jedi. I'm not going to lash out in hate and anger. I'm not going to kill my father, but I will defend myself. And then charges Palpatine with his lightsaber or even brings it up defensively. Luke makes a different choice. He throws it aside entirely. Now you could imagine, well, he wouldn't have thrown it aside entirely if he knew about the force lightning. But he knows the Emperor is extremely powerful in the dark side of the Force. He knows that there are multiple different ways that Palpatine could attack him. He's already seen Palpatine use the Force to remove his manacles. He knows that Palpatine could just start Force choking him. I think that Luke throws that lightsaber aside because he is basically saying, You can't have my soul. You, Darth Sidious, tricked the Jedi of old into fighting your Clone Wars and that is how we ended up here, and I won't do it. I won't make the same mistake. I'm making a different choice. I'm not fighting. So again, it's entirely possible that Luke was aware of Force Lightning, but just didn't care. Regardless of the Lightning, I think he was aware that by throwing down his lightsaber, he was making himself 
vulnerable to Palpatine. That's the power of his choice. He chose the light side over everything else, even if it meant putting himself in physical danger. Luke wins the battle for his soul, even if his body might die. And I also like to think that there's some practical thoughts going through Luke's head. On a very practical level, Luke believes that either the Empire has already wiped out his friends, the entire rebellion, and the battle is truly lost. Or Luke believes that even if he sacrifices himself now, there's still a very good chance that his friends will destroy the Death Star and the Emperor will go up with it. After all, he says that earlier in the scene, that soon I'll be dead and you along with me. He believes that it's going to happen. And I don't think that he's exactly tracking how the space battle is going outside. I think he's a little busy. But my point is, as a Jedi who feels it is his responsibility as, right now, the last of the Jedi, the last hope, he would feel responsibility to take Palpatine out. But he feels like he can't and shouldn't but there is still the possibility that Palpatine will be destroyed by the heroic efforts of his friends and the entire rebellion. So in my mind, it is possible that Luke was aware of Sith lightning, maybe hadn't spent a bunch of time researching and practicing how to defend himself against it, and I think Yoda has definitely not taught him to absorb the Sith lightning with his hands, or maybe Luke would have done that. That's a very non-aggressive thing to just say, nope, uh, I understand you're trying to shoot me with lightning, but I, I shall not allow it. But again, as we saw in Revenge of the Sith, even with that ability, Yoda was ultimately overwhelmed by the extreme hateful power of Sidious and his lightning. As powerful as Luke is, I like the idea that he was not experienced enough to master that ability the way Yoda had. And even, even someone as powerful in the light side as Yoda, as experienced, still couldn't quite stand up to Palpatine's Sith lightning prowess. So, that's my main counseling. Let's review. I think Anakin had been told about Force lightning, but he's just not a very good listener. I think, if you want, you can interpret Luke's knowledge either way. It's certainly no surprise that Obi-Wan and Yoda would not tell Luke something. They're very good at not telling him things. But I think you can also believe that Luke did know. But even with that knowledge, even knowing that out of the many ways that this horrible Sith Lord could attack me, shooting lightning out of his hands is one of them, even with that, Luke chose to lower his defenses. Now, I haven't forgotten about the sequel trilogy. Not only does Snoke have Force lightning abilities, he's fancy with them. He reflects him off the floor like he's bouncing a ball. And we get to see it when he gives Kylo a zap. I'm sure Kylo is well aware of it, and I'm also sure that's not the first time he's been zapped. That's what I like to believe. I think that's just something a dark side apprentice has to endure from their dark side master. I think there is a lot of zapping, a lot of torture to form the apprentice in the dark side. Now, Ray, we don't actually see Snoke use dark side lightning on Ray but we see him do all sorts of other horrible, evil things to her, throw her around like a doll, invade her mind, and pry detailed information out. We see him take the lightsaber from her and course-correct it to whack her in the head. The only reason he didn't use force lightning on her was just because he chose not to. And here's my take on that. I don't think Ray knows 
anything about Force Lightning. She's clearly listened to a lot of stories about the Jedi and the Force. So who knows? Maybe she has heard whispers of some evil wrinkly wizards who can shoot lightning out of their hands. But I certainly don't think she has any practical information about it. And I definitely don't think that Luke warned her about it. Luke was clearly not in a place to want to share practical skills with Rey. He was definitely in awe of her raw power, and he seemed to admire her lightsaber fighting forms. But he knew that she was young and inexperienced and needed a teacher in the ways of the Force, in the ways of the Jedi. And even, even if Luke was more open to training Rey, and he wanted to tell her about this list of dark side powers and how to counter them, if he wanted to say, like, look, I've had some bad experience with lightning myself, so let me give you a little bit of information about this, even if all that happened, Ray didn't have a chance to study them. Ray wouldn't have given Luke a chance. She decided to race off to save Ben Solo, and Luke gave her a nice, short, compact version of really a lot of Jedi teachings. He said, this is not going to go the way you think. Which I think you can interpret as, watch out, he might shoot evil lightning and bounce it off the floor. It will race through your body and it will hurt a lot. But like so many Jedi teachings, not as clear as it could be. But in spirit, Luke did warn Rey that lots of things were not going to go the way she thought. Anyway, that is my take on what Jedi teachers have told their poor Jedi students about Force Lightning. I can only hope that in Episode 9, Rey starts a Jedi school with an extremely practical curriculum and that every single student gets a big book, not a hollow book, a physical book. And there is a long, lengthy, descriptive chapter called Danger Fingers. Anyway, thank you Seahawk Dad for sending that in. Like I said, it's one I've thought about and wrestled with a lot, so I, I hope uh, I helped you and other listeners by wrestling with it out loud myself. I think the big thing is, when it comes to what Luke Skywalker knew in particular, I think there's a lot of different ways to interpret that, and in a way we can just follow our own bliss. So, if you have things that you would like to have discussed right here on Star Wars Counseling, if you have grievances or confusions or deep dive questions, please let us know. Use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling. That's counseling spelled with an S. If you spell it with the S and use that hashtag, it makes it much easier for me to find those on Twitter. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, that is on josephscrimshaw.com as well. Also on josephscrimshaw.com, you can check out that live shows page. Uh, very soon, I will be in San Francisco at the SF Sketchfest doing a live uh, recording of my podcast, Obsessed, as well as appearing on Bill Corbett's Funhouse, also a live podcast. And I'm doing live shows here in Los Angeles all the time, so be sure to check that out. You can also like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center, helping us out on Patreon 
keeps the podcast afloat, and it makes really cool things possible, like this new theme music from Tony Thaxton. You're about to hear those closing credits. One other thing that I want to shout out, I did some writing for a brand new television show that is going to be on Adult Swim. It is premiering January 13th at midnight as Sunday becomes Monday. The show is called Tigtone. It is a wild, weird both new fantasy show and a fantasy comedy show that is creating its own fantasy world while also kind of playing with all the tropes of fantasy. If you like He-Man and would like to see a version of He-Man that is like a fever dream, and I know what that sounds like because He-Man is already like a fever dream. It's a fever dream of a fever dream. Anyway, check it out. It's called Tigtone. Thanks as always for listening, and until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one, that's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.